Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me. Today I sit down with one of my favorite people, the just lovely Zoe Hardman. Zoe is a radio host, TV presenter and co-founder of Made by Mamas. Zoe is one of the most down-to-earth, kind and uplifting people I know. And I remember calling her out of the blue at one of my toughest times and she gave me such incredible advice and space to open up. So I am so grateful to her and I'm so excited to hear her three defining moments that got her to where she is today. Hello Zoe. Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps after that. What a lovely <laughs> intro and it's so nice because it's normally me doing these nice intros and I've just I've just had my favourite <laughs> ones, so thank you. Oh, well it's so true. I mean, because I, I remember when I did call you and I, we didn't know each other that well at the time. Like We knew each other, but yeah. I just instantly felt like I just had this urge. I was like, I know that you'll know what to do. <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I and mean, you were just amazing. I don't know if I, if I, if you ever really do know what to do, but I think I've been through, like you, I've been through lots in my life. You know, some big lessons, some real highs and massive lows, and also had that battle with, you know, who I was as a person and the stuff that made me happy and the stuff that I was doing that was really destructive. And I remember seeing you at that wedding in Ibiza, a very good friend of ours, Franny, who got married, and we were chatting at the bar and I was heavily pregnant with Luna, do you remember? And I was trying to like yeah. keep up with my old life and hang out with all my friends and we were like a really fast group that have a lot of, you know, big careers. And I remember just thinking, fuck, my feet are swollen. I feel like shit. I just want to fall asleep on the sun lounger. And then I saw you at the bar and we chatted for a moment and I thought, that you were not in a great place that day. Do you remember? We really talked. I do you know what I don't remember because I was out of my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine I wasn't in a good place because that whole summer actually was a bit of a mess. Yeah, but I think we've all been there and 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 I think it was after that that we really we really became like firm friends because I, I felt yeah. like you were there for me. You saw me struggling, even if you don't remember it. And I saw you struggling and that was the start of the beautiful friendship. And here we are. It was. Well, because I feel like you are always interviewing people. So I always get, I get nervous. I did Josh the other week and it's like interviewing the interviewer. <laughs> the interviewer becomes the interviewee. I know, well, it's weird I think for me what I said. It's weird for me too. So let's kick off with your first defining moment. Um, my first, it was hard because when I was thinking about these things, I, I think I didn't want to focus on, you know, the sort of, th th there's definitely a bit of tragedy in the moments, but I wanted to start off with one that was really like the kickstart to my career. And it was a really wonderful kind of special story that stays with me forever. Um, I had gone to college in Cambridge. I'd done theatre studies. I wanted to be an actress. Um, I moved to London. My mum, this was at sort of age 19, my mum said to me, look, you need to apply for RADA or Lambda or one of the, the you know, the drama schools in London. I said, look, no, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to get a job and I'm going to work on the reception of a TV production company. And my mum was like, no. And I was like, yes, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I remember back in the day, because I'm, I'm 30, nearly 38, there was this, um, this paper that you, I can't remember what it was called. Was it called The Loot or something like that, where you would find flats? So I basically went through the back of this paper and was like, oh, this flat in Battersea, you know, it was 200 pounds a month. I was like, I'm going to just move there. And my dad was like, but you haven't even seen it. I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Anyway, so he was like, I'm going to move you up. It was on this estate in Battersea. I hadn't even met my flatmates. The room was tiny. I 
I literally, I remember like unpacking the car and thinking, fuck, what have I done? You know, I just didn't know anything <laughs> about London. I'd never lived here before, but I was like, it was a real moment of kind of, you know, starting out in the city. And I got this job on the reception working at a production company, um, Flex Tech which had Bravo and um, loads of other uh, living TV, loads of other channels inside it. And every person that came in, I was like, oh, hello, I'm Zoe. And they're like, yeah, no, we've come to see. And I was like, no, I want to be a, I want to be an actress. I want to be a presenter. I just have these Stop. random. Yeah. It, it was looking back on it. I can't believe I didn't get fired actually. It was kind of like, <laughs> not about me, but I made it all about me. Anyway, I, I did that for a year. And then I thought, look, this is not happening. You know, I wasn't getting any auditions. I needed some time away. So I, I went traveling. And when I, at the end of the sort of 10 months away, I was due to come back in about two weeks. My mum phoned me and she said, um, I've just seen on the Channel 4 website that they're looking for a girl to be um, in their new TV show called Playing It Straight. And I think you should come back early from your trip. And I think you should go to the audition. I was like, I don't want to do, you know, at the time it was back in 2004. So it wasn't really reality telly because reality telly wasn't really a thing. Um, but I was like, you know, I want to be an actress or a presenter. I don't, this is not what I want to go down. She said, look, come back, just go for it. And I, for the first time in my life, I listened to my mum. <laughs> you just don't listen to them, do you? No. Um, so I flew home, went to London tipped up to this, um, to the Channel 4 building. And when I got there, I, no, what happened? I must have phoned. Yes, I phoned them and said, I've come to, the, to these auditions. And they said, we've already picked the girl. You've just missed it by, you know, a hair's breath, like literally an afternoon. No. And I said, yeah. So I said, well, look, I've traipsed all the way up from Kent. I'm just going to sit in the reception for an hour. And it was weird. It was like I knew that they weren't completely happy with their choice. Mm. So I sat in the reception and I waited and I waited and I waited. And at 45 minutes, I thought they're not going to come down. So I literally stood up to leave when out of nowhere, this really bubbly runner came down and said, this lovely girl, I remember her, Rachel. She said, um, we're actually not happy with the girl that we've picked. Can you come upstairs and do a piece to camera? I was like, yes, <gasps> I know. So I, I actually, I love <laughs> this. I'm like, oh my God, and then what? <laughs> I've never told this story. I've actually never told this story. Um, so I went upstairs to this room. I sat down in front of the camera. I did this piece to camera, just introducing myself, my background, you know, bits and pieces about my personality, hobbies, that kind of stuff. And they said, okay, look, we'll be in touch. We've got some talking to do. So I, I walked out walked down the road, my mobile rung, and it was one of the execs at Channel 4 saying, I've just washed your piece to camera. We really love you. Can you go down to the production company and meet them, meet all the rest of the team? And I was like, yes, I can. So I went straight there. Oh my God, there, so this happens like super fast. Super quickly, literally in an afternoon. So I'm only 20 at the time and I'm like, never really been to London, you know, just, just kind of a bit of like a I just was so immature and like young, you know, really. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I went down to the production company, had a chat with them, um, left the building. They said, we're going to call you. And then I was in the gym in Kent in the like Tenton Leisure Center on the treadmill. My phone rang the next morning and they said, we want you to be the girl. We're going to fly to Mexico next week. Um, we love you. You've got, you've, you've got the, you've got the part basically. <gasps> I know. And that was it. There I was in a like almost like a re it was a reality TV show, if I'm honest, but it was kind of stylized drama because the episodes were so like heavily plotted out and you couldn't right. have got away with this now. But it was basically and, and it seems quite vulgar, the idea of the show, because it was about um, me. There was 10 guys and there was me as the picker. And I basically had to decide which of the, the guys were gay and which of the guys were straight and keep hold of the straight guys and ask the gay men to leave to end up with somebody that I fall in love with to share a hundred grand. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And um, Mexico as well. Quite we flew to Mexico and we had eight weeks in Mexico filming on location. Um, oh, dream. And in, during that whole process, I just learned so much about myself and about what I wanted in life. And the Peter Davis, who's still my mentor, actually, who now works at ITV, he was the head of the production company, September Films. And he said to me towards the end, he said, listen, you've got something here and I haven't seen it for a very long time. I think you're incredibly gifted and very special. And I think you could be a really good presenter. So I think that's where we should go. 
And I walked out of the show having chosen a, a lovely gay man, <laughs> Ben, who basically pretended <sighs> the whole time that he was straight. And then eventually no. when I went, Ben, I choose you, he went, I'm gay, darling. And I went, <gasps> no. <laughs> and he shared the money with me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Were you genuinely shocked? I thought I was going to throw up because he I didn't fancy him. There wasn't a romantic connection, but I trusted him. He was playing a game. You know, it was a game and it was it was such a brilliant game because it was all about breaking down stereotypes. And actually, the idea behind it was really wonderful. But, you know, Ben was a was a builder from Essex who was a, you know, talk like that and, you know, called blimey. And but actually he'd won mm. Mr. Gay UK the year before. Um, mm. And I, I, I learned a lot, huge amounts. And we, we, we're we still friends and uh, I keep in touch with a lot of the guys there. But yeah, I left there and, and then I joined John Knoll, which was where Davina was, that was her agency at the time. And that's what I wanted. So that was kind of my, my launch into telly. Thanks, mum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what a legend. Well, imagine if I hadn't gone. I just, and imagine if you hadn't waited do you know what I mean? And just gone, no, I'm going to do this. And I think that's kind of, I love hearing stories like that where you kind of, your persistence pays off. Mm. You know, you don't just take no for an answer straight away. And I think with en- with anything that comes to you in life, it's always about these moments where you just don't take the answer you're given straight away. You push and you kind of fight for something. Totally. And I think that's been, that's the message that I would give anybody listening that is, you know, any of the younger listeners that are trying to get into this industry that, I mean, I guess it's any age really, because you might have a revelation at 40 or 50 and think, I know Mm. I want to change a career, but you have to have incredibly thick skin. You have to really believe in yourself. You know, it's not for the faint hearted. I'm, you know, my next big birthday, I'm 38 nearly, but you know, I'm kind of staring down the barrel at 40 and it feels great because I've been doing it for 20 years. You know, I've had these humongous highs where I was at ITV doing Take Me Out and then the biggest lows where I thought I don't, I can't get a job and I had to go back and start temping. And I think that I love my craft so much. It's, it's, it's everything aside from my family. It's everything to me. I love being busy. I love creating content. I love talking to people. I love finding out what's going on in someone's heart. And I, and I love music. I love being at heart. So it's like, you have to really eat sleep and breathe it I think yeah absolutely I love that what a great first moment yeah it's great and that's actually what I wanted I wanted to know how you how you began how your career began so thank you for choosing that as your first moment (laughs) yeah um let's move on to number two so I think number two is is the biggest moment actually because it was when my father died and it's really it's really hard to talk about but it changed me fundamentally as a person forever and it's funny because you know that we're all going to die and we talk about death and we you know I think about death but nobody teaches you how to deal with losing a parent and when you get the phone call to say that like the the fucking top of the pyramid like the 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 tripod the tree that holds everything together is gone it like it just completely destroyed me um so that was really tough but in and and it was hard because I couldn't get there you know I was in Ibiza my mum and I had gone over there for a fundraising trip because my parents have a charity in Kenya um they have a school for kids with HIV so we'd gone over there we'd had this really incredible time where we'd met up with this DJ called Luciano who was doing this thing called One Coin for Life and he was going to put the Vapingo Village Fund on his um list of beneficiaries and we were like on this massive high and my mum had been on the stage at a swire with him and she was like she's like 70 at the time (laughs) no 65 (laughs) and she's like you know I'm looking up at her in front of like 10,000 people and she's there with Luciano so it was like we were on this massive high and yeah um she'd flown back on the Friday evening and uh Friday afternoon I put her on the plane and I was going to stay for that that weekend and fly back on the Sunday just to have a bit of time away from mum you know um (laughs) and um my dad had picked her up from from Gatwick and when he picked her up you know when she came through the doors she said oh you don't look particularly well and I'd spoken to him on the 
Thursday, I think it was. And he said, oh, I've, I've had this headache and I feel a bit sick and I've been spending a lot of time in bed the last couple of days. I think I'm fighting a bug. And I was like, you know, he was 75 at the time. Um, a young 75, but still, you know, you realize somebody's age at that point. And we'd sort of told him to have a rest. And then he waited for mum to come through and she said, you don't look very well. And as they were walking to the car park with the luggage, he basically passed out and hit his head on the curb. And my mum called an ambulance and they took him off to hospital and he came round. She was driving behind. Um, my sister phoned me that Friday evening as I was getting ready to go out. And she said, look, dad's had an accident he's fallen over but he's come around in the ambulance and he's in hospital and he's he's going to be absolutely fine all his vitals looked good you know everything so I was like okay my dad's in hospital but and and I said should I try and get a flight back and Catherine said absolutely not he's fine I've spoken to him I'm going to the hospital now so at that point I was like okay well I'm in Ibiza what can I do and I continued to get myself ready it must have been about seven o'clock in the evening and we were having drinks outside at my friend's house. It was about nine o'clock. And um, I went back to the bathroom where I'd left my phone. And I had like eight missed calls from my sister. And I was like, oh, God. Went back outside, got hold of her. And she said, I need to put mum on the phone. And then, then that's when they told me that he died. And it was so quick. It was like, bang, you know. And then I couldn't get a flight. And I had to wait until like, one o'clock in the morning, you know, those horrible easy jet flights. Um, my mum picked me up from the airport. We went to the hospital and I really didn't want to see him, you know, but I also knew that because it had happened so fast, you almost have to confront death. You have to see that person. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It never gets easier, even though it's been seven years. But I'm glad I did see him because he looked very peaceful and, you know, and then you go into shock and then you spend the next however many months unraveling your grief um, and trying to find a new way without a parent, which I found very hard. I was 30 years old. I was very lucky to have had him for that long. Some people don't get to experience a parent at all. So I was like so thrilled about that, the, the connection that we had. And he knew I loved him. And even though I, my sister got to be there, I'm actually you know, she was the one that was trying to fight, fighting for him to stay alive. He had a massive, he had a pulmonary embolism that shot from his left leg right into his lungs. And um, that caused a humongous heart attack. But my sister witnessed it. So in a way, oh I'm grateful goodness. that I wasn't there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is like a real, that's like a real milestone for me. Um, and I, I, I guess what it's done is made me able to, I, I can talk about death now. Whereas before I was kind of, you know, you just don't ever dis have the discussion, do you? But he's not here and his body's not here anymore, but he's everywhere. He's like in the trees, in my kids. Every time I look at my son, my son's got his eyes. Oh. I see. No, it's like, it's lovely, but it's painful, you know? Yeah. Well, I think for anybody listening here that has also um, suffered the loss of a parent or someone close to them, um, what would your advice be in, you know, especially in that first year, um, what were the kind of tools that you used to cope or manage your grief or, you know, what could you say to those people? Yeah, loads, actually, um, because I was in therapy for two years after he died. It took me a long, it took me longer than I thought to get there. So if, if, if you're listening, you're going through this, um, don't expect you might do, but in some cases, you won't want to go there with, you know, a stranger essentially and talk to them about your grief. For me, it took me, he died in the August and it was January by the time I really felt ready to actually get into grief counseling. Um, cause those, you're almost, you're still in shock. Like there's like a humongous shock. Um, so, and it was bizarre, even just, you know, you're, you know, again, people listening that are going through it, you find that you try to integrate back into society and everybody else is doing the same thing and people are in bars and chatting and laughing and you see your girlfriend's having a joke about something and you just got this like dead father sign above your head that you can't shake and nothing feels real. There's no form. Of, I, I found it very hard to form connections again because I just was almost a bit of a shell and it was only in the January that the grief was so powerful. Like it was, I just, I wasn't coping with everyday stuff. 
um, and my lows were bad. I'm quite prone to getting kind of real lows anyway. So I went to see this amazing counsellor called Phil um, and I actually saw him twice a week um, for an hour and he basically saved me because my mum was back in Kenya. She had moved on with a new partner very quickly, um, which is fine. She needed somebody to help her get through it. And I found that very hard as well, because I was still mourning the loss of my dad, whereas my mum was falling in love with somebody else. So that was that was challenging. So I think anybody listening that's, that's, that's struggling with this part, there is absolutely no shame in going to say to, to whoever's closest to you, I need help. I would definitely recommend there are some amazing grief counsellors out there. You can actually go to your GP and tell them that you're feeling it. I'm not one for medication. I know that people, some people really do need it. Um, but, you know, CBT and, and lots of other, lots of other great kind of counsellors and you can get it on the NHS. So just definitely push for that. And I also think just like being okay with the waves of, of emotion that come, like I've obviously got emotional then, but that's fine because I can't have the tears without the happiness, you know? Mm. Well, thank you so much, Zoe, and thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and open. And I know that you sharing that will help so many people who are going through something similar. And um, yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that, but I'm also so proud of you for being able to be in a place where you can express yourself around it and be able to you know to cry you know to anyone listening and um and to honor that it has shaped who you are I think that's a really amazing thing that we can do through any negative experience or sadness or grief or to be able to say well it shaped me you know Mm -hmm. so thank you yeah no well Oh, it's tiring, isn't it, talking about grief? (laughs) (laughs) It's emotional. Of course. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Laura Wright, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Music in My Life. In this series, I'm talking to some amazing guests about their favorite pieces of music. We'll be delving into the music they listen to and why it shaped them throughout the years. It's like intense. It made me feel cooler and stronger and harder than I was. But the man on board had had cancer, and that's obviously become a big part of my life. I can listen to it now, reminding myself where I've come from. He just completely lost it yeah. as we, we pulled up to the, to the hospital. You can find it wherever you found this podcast. Just search Music In My Life. So, shall we move on to your 
third defining moment? It's really hard to pick because I couldn't have got to the I couldn't have got to one of them without the other. I think you might know what I'm going to say. So I can't decide whether it's the moment that I met my amazing husband Dozer, which is quite funny. It's a funny story or the birth of my children because I wouldn't have had the birth of my children had I not met Dozer. So give I us think, both. Give I'll us give both. you both and I'll right. get I'll, I'll I'll give them quickly. Um right. <laughs> I like to start off the story by saying that nothing naughty went on with my husband whilst I was with my ex. But I did meet my now husband in the Playboy Club at a book launch, <laughs> a sex book launch, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How all my, good stories start. Isn't it brilliant? My friend Emma, um, Emma Sale, you might know her actually. She yeah. is the co-founder of a like a sex night called Killing Kittens, which my husband tells me he frequented quite a lot. I don't want to know any of those details. <laughs> so um I was in a relationship with somebody and I wasn't particularly happy and you know when you're kind of desperate to pull the plaster off but you just can't do it because I'm one of those people that will always self-sabotage so they have to dump me because I can't do it (laughs) (laughs) what does that say about me I've got to grow some balls um so I was sort of floating through this relationship and um, we weren't really doing anything fun or going out or doing anything. And I was like, listen, there's a book launch at the Playboy Club. I think it'd be really fun. We should go. And he like came kicking and screaming, basically. And I was wearing a pink PVC like leather skirt. So obviously sex. Oh, sex my bike. goodness. <laughs> Come on. And uh, across the room, it was we were all having drinks, drink, like free cocktails coming around. I was like, I'm just going to have to get pissed to get through the boringness of being with my ex. Um, hopefully he's not with me. <laughs> Um, and across the room, I saw James Haskell, um, rugby player, used to play for England. And I'm, I was friends with him through another friend. And he's like waved at me and he started coming over. And as he, he's massive and as he moved slightly to the side, I saw this man standing behind him. And I was like, fuck, you know, those moments in your life where you're like, it's, it was like a thunderbolt, like a train wreck. Stop. Was it really? A big time. Like, Oh, big time. I love that. And like as movies. He, oh, it was. It wasn't. It, those movie moments haven't happened to me, by the way. Like, I'm not the girl that's like, oh, and then, you know, our eyes locked. But I <laughs> did lock. And my boyfriend was standing next to me. And then uh, Doza and Hass came over and we started chatting. And it was li- he, he, could, he could not keep his eyes off me. And he was talking to me about the fact that he had just come out of his relationship. And he was like, you know what? I'm on the lookout for a 10. You know, I'm only going for well, what a twattish thing to say as well. Fuck off. <laughs> oh I thought you what a dick, but also really fit. Um, <laughs> so I was like, Do you know what? I just turned to him and I said, Do you know what? You're not looking for a 10. He said, What am I looking for? I said, You're looking for a filthy nine. And he said, Is that <laughs> Zoe? <laughs> oh, oh my God, I love you even more. <laughs> I went, He said, Is that you? And I said, You'll have to find out, but absolutely, yes. Anyway, so we had this chat. Oh, goodness, that is brilliant. That so explained your whole relationship because you guys have this, like, fire between you. It's like when I saw you together, I was like, oh, my God. God, I've actually haven't witnessed that many times in a couple, but, like, you guys are, like, electric together. We have a really amazing kind of sexual chemistry between the two of us, and we always have done. And you know, it's not we've got three children, so it's not all about that. But we will put the kids down, and they'll they'll still be the flames, which is great. Um, we're lucky. We're lu- really lucky. Um, anyway, that night we left. Me and my uh, boyfriend at the time were in a taxi, and he was furious. He was like, "Who's that rugby player that was I fucking you?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know. I hadn't noticed." Um, and then we had this massive row. He went to bed in the bathroom as I was taking off my makeup. Um, I went onto Twitter because I thought Instagram wasn't really like a big thing then, and I added mm. him on Twitter, Paul Doran Jones. And then two seconds later, direct message, Bing. Uh, it was amazing to meet you tonight. Good luck with moving in with your boyfriend. Just <laughs> let me know if anything doesn't work out. Um, and I didn't respond. And I then that was in the April. And then by the October, end of October, I'd moved in and moved out of my exes. And then the messages from Dozza started to come in through Hask, like thick and fast. <laughs> and this is incredible because he was messaging me on Twitter being like, 
By the way, I'd just like to point out that we also had loads of mutual friends who were all saying to me, really great guy, really kind, really nice, top shagger, do not go near him, right? That's what my <laughs> friends were saying. Right, <laughs> top shagger. So basically, a lot of like womanizer. And I was like, yeah. I don't need another rugby player. He was playing for Harlequins at the time. I was like, I don't need another rugby player, womanizer. I'd had, you know, there may have been one or two from the past. So I thought, stay away from him. Um, so I was chatting, chatting, and then I would just cold turkey him completely and then peer off. And then he'd come back a month later being like, oh, hey, it's me again. Um, fancy some yoga. And Because he was trying like drinks, yoga, tennis. He tried everything. In his mind, he was furious the fact that I wasn't going on a date with him. Anyway, flash forward to February, so six months later, and my friend Natalie Pinkham, I was round at her house on a Saturday afternoon and she was like, what are you doing at my house playing with my kids on a Saturday afternoon? Will you go out on a date with Dozer? He's messaging you, just go. And I was like, okay. Oh my God, so it was six months of, of this back and forth messaging before you even went on a date. Yeah, six months. And Babe, in the interim, I'd cool. like, I was playing it cool, but I don't think I was doing it on purpose. I genuinely was like, no, no, I don't want a womanizer. I don't, I was trying yeah. to change the pattern, you know? I was yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to pattern. Uh, but I caved in the end and I texted him on the Saturday afternoon at like 3 p.m. I said, what are you doing now? He went, nothing. I'm go. I'm going to be at home with a bottle of rosé and a packet of crisps. Stole some vinegar tyrols. So I tipped up to his door, went ding dong. He opened the door and I basically have never left. And that was February two thousand and fifteen. Oh, oh yeah. my God! What a glorious story! <laughs> it was glorious. So, I haven't told you the best bit of it all, but I don't know. Can I be rude on the pod? Can I be rude? Yeah. Oh God! I can't believe I'm going to confess this. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Basically, Dozer decided that after six months of messaging me and getting no luck, he would tell me that he had a condition. So he texts me one day, my phone beeps, and it was him going, look, this is my last chance at trying to get a date with you. Do you not want to go on a date with me because you've heard about my problem? And I've gone, <laughs> what is your problem? And he's gone, that I've got a micro dick. That is, that is the God's honest truth. He said that he had a three-inch penis, right? And he said, but I'm all fingers and tongue. That's what he said to his words. And I went... Oh, my fucking God, what? I was like, this beautiful, massive man cannot, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't get my head around it, right? So it like, he put like an earworm like into my brain that was like niggling at me for weeks afterwards. I was like, I can't figure it out. I was looking at photographs of him going, he looks so big. How can he, how? Anyway, that was the trigger for me going around. Curiosity got the better of me in the end. And I went, I've just come around to have a look. It was this massive joke that we had at the door. Obviously, like nothing happened for the first like three, you know, I was, I was quite a good girl actually. But afterwards, yeah, I've never seen a man get naked so quickly. And he went, ha, ah, when he got naked being like, it's not three inches. And I was like, great. So I can't believe I've told you that. Oh, <laughs> Brilliant. my goodness. There you, you go. My husband. Literally, I am obsessed with you two. <laughs> He's going to kill me for telling that story, but I fuck it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> he said it in his wedding speech so he said it in front of his grandma well there we go stop he yeah, did it he did oh my, you guys must just laugh all the time i feel like you just have both such a good sense of humor don't take life too seriously and that's probably how you manage to work your ass off and have three <laughs> children uh, well we try in amongst all the, the arguments and the passive aggressive dishwasher stacking there is a lot of, of fun as well but you know what we're not perfect but we make it work it's it's great it's good <gasps> oh the passive <sighs> arguments on my face <laughs> during lockdown it was like where do we go oh, i'm leaving okay go on, then. and you're like into the downstairs loo there was just nowhere to go was there oh i just i mean people are not supposed to live with each other no. for that long ever no, no. ever it's just not normal. I just, honestly, I don't know how any relationship survived. Yeah, madness. I think, like, a lot of drinking helped, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. Should we have a glass of wine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, it was so like that, wasn't it? Wasn't okay, it? Everybody got very excited at the beginning. Yeah. Very. And then people were like, 
this has got to stop. <laughs> what, with the Zoom calls? With the Zoom, let's have a Zoom call, all of us together when we're doing a party. It's like no one fucking wants to be on a Although, Zoom call Although everybody anymore. was talking about these quizzes, going to put it out <sighs> there, didn't get invited to fucking a single quiz. Me neither, don't worry. Oh, thank yeah. God, not just me then. No, you're um, not the only one. <laughs> I was like, people are like, oh, enough of the quizzes. I'm like, I haven't even done one. What is going on? What, what's wrong with me? Um, okay, so, yeah, yeah. So let's go on to the third half, the other half of the third moment. Okay, so um, obviously, I mean, there have been lots of labours and births in the past, but obviously I hadn't done any of them. And so I was absolutely terrified um, going into my labour with Luna. But I had this, I'm probably like you, you know what, when I decide on something, I'm really, I'm just going to go for it and I'm going to get it. In, and, I, and that's the way I want to do it. So I was like, I'm going to do hypnobirthing and I'm going to have this amazing birth in the water. And I'd watched all these videos and I was like trying to get over all the sort of blood and all the bits I was just like I've got to you know this is going to happen I'm going to pull Luna out and we're going to go rah it's going to be like a moment from the Lion King or something and it just did not play out like that for me my body clearly didn't want to wasn't ready or Luna I mean now I know Luna the way I know her for the last four years she challenged me so much that I think that was her first like hurrah into challenging her mum because she just didn't it took three days my labor was very long it was you know wow I just didn't like halfway through it I was like I'm just not sure whether she's ever going to come out you know you start you start thinking all of these things I don't know what sort of labor you had Roxy but it just went on and on. Yeah, and yeah. On. Mine was two days, but three. Yeah, outstanding. At the time. How did you did you um, birth in the water? No, I had a natural, but I I also was determined to not have an epidural and everything. But then I was having back labour, so my contractions yeah. were back to back, minute Spine. long. Spine. Yeah, he my my uh, doula was like, you have to have an epidural, but then that took four hours. I was in the oh god, it was just. Did you have an epidural in the end? Had an epidural in the end, thank God, and sat there for twelve hours itching. Didn't know that was a side effect. Yeah, and then ninety minutes of pushing. Oh god. Anyway, it was all fine. Haven't, but by the end, I don't think I've ever felt worse. I they were trying to hand yeah. me Wolf, and I was like, no. I was like, I can't hold him. I was like, I feel too ill, too shit. I want to die. Yeah. I was in like basically the broom cupboard of the hospital, which was boiling. It was awful. I was just like, that oh, was not the time for trying to breastfeed or any of that. I was like, no. <laughs> what I love about what I love about labour is that everyone has such a different experience. That's why I'm obsessed with people's birth stories. I mean, people have heard me banging on about mine and George's on Made by Mamas endlessly, but it fascinates me that. You know, the same process of a, a female mm. birthing a child can come out so differently every so single time. So true. Isn't it? It's so true. How did you feel afterwards? Well, I mean, eventually, on the I went in on the Saturday and on the Monday afternoon, Dozzle went, you've got, we, we, we've got to go to hospital. We, we, we can't stay in this midlife, midwife-led unit now. You are, right. you know, I was like being sick. Um, baby's heartbeat was going down. They were they were like worried yeah, at this point. Yeah. So I was like, okay, but you obviously they can't do it unless you say. So I was mm. like, okay, I just I felt like I'd failed. I just was like, get me in the ambulance. I don't remember much about that ambulance journey because I was kind of in and out of it. Um, and then as soon as I got to the hospital, I had the epidural and fuck, I wish I'd had it two days before. You know, I just couldn't believe I'd put myself yeah. through it. But then it was like episiotomy forceps like I just uh, weirdly being such a strong Mm. like like you and me we exercise don't we and we train and I think I was almost I wasn't I was fearful which was making my body tense and close Mm. inward as opposed to being like accepting and 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 believing and trusting I didn't feel any of those things I I felt quite frightened um yeah I have to say I really believe that that's why hypnobirthing works like I yeah although I had a long labor I had no tearing nothing and I honestly think that was because of the breath and the lack of fear from hypnobirthing yeah because fear just your body has such an intense physical physiological reaction to fear Mm. I know it's weird isn't it and you don't know because because fear is not something that you can touch or no it's not there but it but it's absolutely crippling isn't it yeah oh god yes brutal and I guess I guess how I felt afterwards was it was such a big life moment not just because I was holding my daughter and that was 
you know, pretty mm. fucking amazing. But also I learned a lot about me as a person and that sometimes I have to, and actually it's kind of transcended into my relationship where I was like a pit bull, you know, I was like right. a bit ferocious and I push, 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 you know, even if somebody doesn't, if Dilza didn't want to talk about it, I'd be like, no, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah. And it's like, actually, it, it's not all about what I want. And sometimes in life you have to look at your decisions and choose a different route. And that's like a big life lesson. I wish I'd been more, I'm much more fluid. My life has completely changed since I've had my children for the better. I'm a different person. Um, And my core is still the same, but I have much more understanding of things now and much more empathy. And just, Mm. I think just a more chilled person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love that. I mean, I really, I kind of, uh, the one of the reasons I was so interested in hearing your story, I think, is because, you know, I think you did kind of, you had a life in showbiz, you know, mm. parties and drinking and, um, you know, that kind of industry um, and have become a mother, um, but you still very much have your career, I, I, I find you very sort of inspirational, you know, and um, I just think you're super cool. Like, I think you're really, you just say it how it is and you're not, there's no bullshit with you. And I really love that. I really have a thing for people who are just own themselves and you're definitely one of those people. And I guess I just want to know sort of what do you think, I'm, just because I'm kind of on this subject at the moment with a few of my episodes I've been thinking about, what does, is the idea of like what makes you happy? Because I think when we start out in these kind of industries, it is we do think that sort of, Mm. parties and the people we hang out with and fame whatever it is I think there's this idea of what happiness is right Mm. and then we kind of grow up and we what we think happiness is is completely different and so I just love to get your take on like what you thought happiness was and what happiness is to you now yeah that's such a great question um I was all about the instant happiness, you know, things that I thought were going to make me instantly happy. So, you know, um, like you said, being photographed at a party or, you know, going and getting smashed on a night out and dancing or just these like fast addictions, smoking, drinking, drugs, just whatever, whatever I could get hold of quickly. And I just never felt fulfilled ever it was like there was never any long-term fulfillment and I would sort of, I was almost waiting for something to happen constantly. Oh, what's my next fix? And it was addiction in its like biggest form because I was functioning addict on loads of different levels. Not, not a, you know, in as much that I was addicted yeah. to things that made me feel good quick, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in, rapidly, I guess. Yeah. And now I'm all about the long-term fulfillment happiness great fine but fulfillment I am completely fulfilled by my work by my children by my husband by myself you know all of these things this like what we're doing at Made by Mamas all the conversations it makes me feel alive and even in the death even in the Netflix and the chill or the fucking taking the bins out or the shitty nappies or whatever else it is there is a deep deep sense of fulfillment and that wow I mean the love that is in this house doesn't matter where we are you know my husband operates on this kind of different frequency in many respects with this financial oh I've lost my power because the financial stuff I need more you know the money and I'm like I've never given a shit about money I've always you know I just don't care I want I want great people around me. I want love from my kids. And I want to love them back. I want to be a great mother. And that that for me, and, and, to, and to succeed in my career, but it's, but it's never about um, how much cash is in the bank. Oh, mm. how cool yeah. is that? <laughs> I don't know if Isn't it's right. Isn't it though? I'm trying. I, I love that. And I think it seems to be that really... It is just about the people that you spend time with. I think I'm really like, I don't know, I'm definitely in this um, zone now just being like really, I'm really work obsessed at the moment. And I think everybody gets, you get through this phase, right? And I'm like, I need to step back because Mm. you do like, it's not just about that. That's just a part of it. It's really good. That's a really good kind of, 
I guess, mantra to keep in your head, Roxy, because the last time I spoke to you, you said, I'm just working all the time. I'm working, working, and I'm so proud of you for what you've achieved and what you are achieving and what you've done. You've carved it out completely, you know, wow, like looking in and, and, and knowing you the way I do, but also just looking at you on Instagram and all the branding stuff and, you know, just the way you're changing people's lives and everything, like you, you are nailing it, but also we can't, we can't get fulfillment from that completely there has to be all of those moments that human interaction that time out for you putting stuff back in for yourself you know you have to come off the treadmill you have to you yeah have to. I do I, I yeah. was saying to when we kind of just before we started recording I said to her I was like I'm definitely a burnout yeah yeah it's just one it's it's just, I think it's for me I've definitely I'm becoming where I'm replacing one addiction to another yeah so um but it, yeah. yeah so I really feel like I'm really listening to what you say and like I need to take that on board I need to remember all the uh, all the other amazing things oh, exactly <laughs> that is, you know th- this is it and I think as, as when people leave this earth when people aren't here anymore you really start thinking about we just lost my uncle last week and he was 85 and he you know he had a wonderful life he died at home with his wife and you know his family around him and stuff it's like the right way for him to go but when somebody leaves us I think it makes you start thinking about what you're going to leave with and I just never want to be in that position where someone goes oh wow she was just like she just had all this cash and all oh look at her lovely big house (laughs) she had some cars and but like what about all the real shit like I want all the real stuff the real stuff is what is the stuff I want thanks well, Zoe, thank you so, so much for being such a wonderful guest. And before you go, I'm going to do 10 quickfire questions, if that's okay. That's fine. Go for it. So, most memorable book? Um, most memorable book. Oh, God, now you're testing me. Um, <laughs> I liked Victoria Hislop's The Island love it i've read it like 10 times really oh i've never even heard of it it's about um yeah 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 you you read it it. yeah a favorite quote there are more flies caught with honey than vinegar oh i love that that's cool is that is that about being like that it's nice to be nice i feel that's how i interpret that 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 is exactly what it is yeah yeah Yeah, my grandfather taught me that one that's what's going to be on the slogan embroidered on my t-shirt that's telling you about (laughs) it's nice to be nice i love that okay most influential mentor can i say my mum of course because oh, even though like I have this really weird relationship with her, she's taught me more. She's taught me so much, good and bad. Mm. So, yeah, she would be the one. I love that. Hi, Mum. <laughs> um, okay, your go-to feel-good film. Oh, yeah, Pretty Woman. Such a good film. Cinder fucking Rella. Yeah, yeah, it's my favourite. <laughs> it is. Oh, I really I'm going to watch Any of Top those. Gun. Yeah, I've never seen like, it. What? Yeah, I'm so bad with films. Stop the recording. Stop the recording. Tonight, <laughs> watch it tonight. It's going to change your life. Really? What? Top Gun? Yeah. Oh, What's yeah. What's it about? Isn't it about cars? Oh, God. It's, oh, oh God. my God. I'm talking after. A moment where you felt most proud. I, I, I think basically just anything to do with Made by Mamas uh, when I hear the podcast numbers and I hear how many people are engaging in it and I talk to our lovely followers and all those conversations I'm so proud of Made by Mamas oh, I love it and it is such a great podcast it really is um a song that cheers you up oh god so many to choose from I knew you'd say that you love music yeah. don't you I absolutely love music um a song that cheers me up is a, a pop song actually it's our song in the house we have a dance off to it every single day and it's um lizzo good as hell i do my hair toss oh chicken my god nails. yes that is Baby, so how you feel that. That. yeah we love it i cheer oh. me up actually instantly i feel good can you adopt me <laughs> you can come around and stay whenever you want that's really i'm cute. coming over with me and love wolf that. yes oh mate absolutely top tip for dealing with stress have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't? <laughs> Masturbate. <laughs> I guarantee you'll feel better. I really, I think you'll always feel better after that. 
Yeah. And you can get yourself a Lilo if you're a female. And obviously, you've got your hand if you're a male listening. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, my God. I love you, Zoe. First three <laughs> things you do when you wake up. Uh, I kiss my husband, um, kiss my daughter, and and kiss my son in that. We just all have a kiss together. So, yeah, That's first so three things. so cute. Yeah. Um, your guilty pleasure. Teramasalata. It's so bad for you. It's right. What the, the fuck is it? I fucking love it. It's Cod's Row. I also shouldn't oh, eat Cod's Row. That's I like, rank. No, I like it. Toast and butter and terror. Oh, crackers and caramelata. Okay, and caramelata. I fucking love it. And I'll eat it any time of the day, any time of the night. <laughs> I've got a real problem. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, one thing you'd like to achieve in the next year. Well, I know it's it's there, but oh, in the next year, I want to get this TV show away. Um, I'm currently writing an idea with somebody else and I'm just really, really, really hoping and praying that it that we can get it away. And it's a, it's a six parter. So that is that's all my energies um, aside from all the made by mama's bits are going on that. Sending you positive vibes for that, babe. Come on. You Come got on. it. Yeah. Um, and the last question is the first person you call to tell good news. Um, the naked professor, Ben Bidwell. Oh. He, he goes, come on, hard hat. And I go, come on, giant. And then he goes, what have you got for me? <laughs> I go, well, fucking hell, I'll tell you. And then we have this really lovely chat. So, um, yeah, he would be at the top of the list. Oh, my God, I love that. That's yeah, so sweet. Plus, he'll always be there because he's like a counsellor, right? So he like has to be mm. on the phone to like help you through your shit as well. So like <laughs> the best friend, but also free counselling. Done. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Zoe, you have been a wonderful, wonderful guest. I have honestly laughed so much. Having walked in the room feeling like, oh, I'm so tired today. I now feel sprightly energised. Had a lot of lulls. I've loved it. Thank you so much. It's been so Thank lovely you to talk. I hope so I have so much. And I'm going to be coming around soon to Please dance do. to good as hell. I'm going to call you. <laughs> Bye, babe. I'm treating. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 